1: Sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: It is hour number three, Betting Across America, presented by Bet MGM, Femi Benfei, alongside Adam Burke here at the VSIN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. There's like a show within the show going on here. We have the show that's happening, the show in between breaks here, which. Uh, if, if only people could hear uh, what was going probably on. Probably a good thing they can <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but with that said, let's turn our attention to the NBA playoffs here. And the Heat probably wish that they didn't see what happened uh, on Thursday night as they just took it on the chin against the Boston Celtics at home. Series now tied 1-1 as we go to Boston for game three. The Celtics laying 6.5 over at BetMGM. Minus 105. If you want to lay it, you can get minus 115 if you want to take 6.5 with Miami. Total's 2.07 and a half we've seen both of these games fly over the total there Boston shot the ball remarkably well in game two you think this is a bounce back spot here for the heat I mean six and a half is a that's a heavy price to be paying there in a series of two really good defensive teams
5: six and a half is a heavy price and and you know like we talked about I think all the way back in a block during the first segment where that you've just had so many opposite performances from these teams that I think it's really hard to figure out. I mean, look, you know, think about it, right? So going into game one, Boston was anywhere from minus 165 to minus 185 to win the series, but they were a two-point dog in game one. And my thought process behind that was okay, they just went seven games with the bucks. They got a very quick turnaround. The Heater rested. The Heat obviously played better in games five and six against the 76ers, so on and so forth. But it almost felt like you could give Boston a pass for looking the way that they did in Game 1 just because mm-hmm. of the quick turnaround and all that. And then they came out and played really well, as you mentioned, and then just collapsed after halftime in the third quarter. But then in Game 2, I think we saw what we can pretty much expect from Boston going forward. So now in Game 3, six and a half, it looks big, but at the same time, I mean, I don't want to be on the heat here.
3: Yeah, it's it's a tough spot here to, to take the points. They almost want to... I mean, it's people are gonna get annoyed by it, but it's like you gotta wait in game to, yep. to bet these things, and that that's just kind of the way to do it. Um, Miami. If they can find their shooting outside of like Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler has been a consistent performer for the Heat here, whether it be at home or on the road. But it feels like once those games go on the road, some of these guys don't perform as well. I mean, Bam Adebayo had some tough games last series against Philadelphia there. Uh, game six, they all played really well. But, I mean, look at game two. Bam has six points. Like they're going to need a lot more from Bam than six points. Max Struz, who's their shooter, only six points as well. With no Kyle Lowry, and we'll see if he's able to go in game three, but I mean, early signs, it looks like he's not quite ready just yet. They're gonna need somebody to step up and help out with Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler has given you the star kind of performances, week in, week out, or day in, day out, I should say, for the NBA. Um, and it's gonna be tough because now Boston goes home. Their role players are gonna play even better. Grant Williams has emerged as like a shooter out of nowhere. Like right now, like they're giving him the open shots. He's knocking them down. Jason Tatum is elevated to that superstar level. Jalen Brown's been really good. Now that Robert Williams is back, and they really feed off of that crowd. And that's probably why you see the six and a half point line is Boston's home court advantage. Now, it didn't do as well last series until game seven, but typically at home in the playoffs, the Celtics are a tough team to beat because of the jolt that they get from the home crowd.
5: Yeah. And look, I mean, also, too, something to keep in mind about game one to game two you know, you're, you're in rhythm, right, when you're a playoff team. You know, you've been playing important games. You've been playing for seating and all those different types of things. And then all of a sudden you get a spot where, you know, Marcus Smart isn't, isn't really able to go, you know, isn't really healthy. And then you look at the difference in game two. Marcus Smart had 24 points, 12 assists, and nine rebounds. I mean, that's just a massive difference for Boston mm. when, when he's in the lineup, obviously. And that's something at that the Heat and maybe Eric Spolster weren't able to account for in game two. Sure, they can pivot and adjust for game three, but maybe we just saw what Boston actually is in game two. And and for Miami, I mean, uh, you know, I, I will admit I didn't follow the NBA regular season as closely as I've been, you know, trying to pay attention to the playoffs, but was Miami really that good of a regular season team? Or was it just a situation where Brooklyn had injuries? Boston had mm-hmm. a lot of different things going on. You know, Milwaukee kind of came off of that NBA championship hangover and didn't play well until the second half of the season. Did Miami maybe just benefit from from a lot of factors that weren't necessarily in their control?
3: And, and that's probably could be. what – There's probably a little bit of everything mixed into there. Is what the the accurate answer probably is. Um, and also to note this from Fantasy Labs: There, Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker both they're both going to warm up with the intention of playing today. Is what Eric Spoltra said in his media availability. So we'll is, see if they can give it a go. Is that positive to get yet, Lowry back? Last not time he was out there.
5: when he's. Seventy five, eighty percent? He looked
3: horrible the last time he was out there when he was trying to play with that banged up hamstring. So maybe he's right now. I mean it's he's had about ten days or so, or about a two weeks to recover. We'll see if he can give it a go now. But yeah, the last time when he tried to play on that hamstring it was bad. It was a net negative. If you were Miami, it's like, let's get this guy out of here. He's not helping us. But I think from a Miami standpoint and what they were in the regular season, they, were that t- they weren't that. They were really the try-hard team because they were still in that 50-ish win range. But they were the team that, because they were so good defensively, that they could still – because they dealt with injuries themselves. Bam Adebayo missed quite a bit of games as well. Maybe they have even, even have a better record if Bam Adebayo was able to stay healthy. But I think when you're a really good defensive team, you're always going to give yourself a chance night in, night out. And one of the reasons why I bet them to win the Eastern Conference before the playoffs was because of this path of having the home court advantage and it felt like they could get to the Eastern Conference finals. But I always knew in the back of my mind, if they were to face a Boston or a Milwaukee, they were going to have problems. And we've seen the problems so far. Like Boston just looks like the better team when you watch both of those games. And now that the series goes back to Boston 1-1, you could easily see a situation to where it's 3-1 after game four. Like, that's not going to be out of the realm of possibility. I don't even know how you play Miami. Maybe they surprise everybody. They're taking money. I mean, six and a half is at MGM, but everywhere else across the board in the market is six. But I, the spot, it's its a wait and see for me in terms of a live betting opportunity. Wait and see. Maybe if they start off hot, maybe you come back and play Boston or if Boston starts out hot, you can get a juicy number with Miami. But even then, I'm not sure if I'd like it there. As, as for the total for you, Both games go over. We're still sitting here at 207 and a half. There's some 208s in the market. We know what these two teams do defensively. Are you looking at an under potentially? Do you think that things kind of come back to what we expect now that the series has shifted to Boston? Well, that's certainly what the market thinks. And, you know, to your point real
5: quick about, you know, Miami and and the preflop number. Boston started out really well in the first two games of this series. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to get, probably get better than six and a half. I would say, yeah. you know, if you do want to bet the heat, if you do think that they can kind of come back in this game a little bit and, and they in this series a little bit, but I also think too, that, you know, you have a situation here with the total where, yeah, you know, we had two really good defensive teams during the regular season. Miami plays at a very slow pace. That's something that's certainly influencing this total. Do we, really think that Boston's offense regresses that much from what they did last game? I mean, they were 20 for 40 from three. Maybe they don't shoot 50% again. Yeah. But, I mean, this is also a game that had 229 points, so it went over the total significantly. They had 28 assists on 43 made shots, with Smart back in the lineup having 12 of those assists. Do, do we really think that Boston's offense is going to trail off that much for this one to stay under the total? I, I mean, is this, is this yeah. sort of maybe more of an indication of – thinking that Miami's offense doesn't really do anything?
3: That's probably what I'm thinking is what it is. I mean, because Kyle Lowry gets back, you'd think that the pace will slow down a little bit. Miami might want to slow things down, so maybe that's what we see. We see more of a rock fight kind of a game, but – The way Boston has been knocking down shots because their offense, their half-court offense, was the big question mark for this team is, okay, yeah, when they shoot it well, they're going to play well, but they can get a little stagnant at times. Sometimes it gets a little too one-on-one with Tatum. Hey, come save us, or Jalen Brown, come save us, try to get a bucket. If they keep making these shots and finding ways Marcus Smart has been a better distributor than I ever thought he ever would be, Al Horford has emerged as an offensive weapon, Grant Williams, we talked about him as well. Boston is just playing really efficient offense to where I'm not sure if I'd want to bet the under right now, maybe once again, another in-game situation, but they just shoot the ball so well. And what they did in game two, it's, it was over game from the start because Tatum's knocking down contested threes. It's, it's always tough to go under when the game gets wide open like that. With the two series that we have now in the East and in the West, they're, Warriors are up 2-0. We're tied here in the East. Boston's favored by 6.5 tonight. BetMGM has the prop of who will reach the finals. The favorite right now is Boston Golden State, minus 200. And that's kind of a, a, it's a hefty price to pay there to get both of those results, but you can see why they would lead to that. Miami Golden State, plus 280. Boston Dallas, 8-1. I don't think you're getting enough on that. Heat Mavericks, that's 22-1. to would you lay that price minus two hundred Boston and Golden State to make it?
5: if I had to do one of the two if you gave me a hundred bucks and told me I have to take one then i it would be Boston and Golden State to mm-hmm. get there. I mean, look, you know obviously Boston's the six six and a half point favorite tonight it, Let's say that they do a repeat performance of game two and win by twenty, you know fifteen twenty something like that. This number's probably what seven, seven and a half for game four, yeah. And then you know, I mean, they may even if they're up three one, they may even be a road favorite against Miami. I mean, they're only a two point dog in Game One, so you know that that's something where I feel like you're probably just going to continue to gain equity on that ticket, uh, unless you really believe Miami or Dallas can win Game Three. And I don't know if that's the case, even though Dallas is favored for Game Three at yeah. home. You know, I I don't really, I wouldn't take Dallas minus two in Game Three, so I would almost have to take that minus two hundred Celtics Warriors price.
3: Who do you think has the better chance to come back into the series? Miami or in Miami, there's it's one one. We're speaking like they're already down two one or three. Right, right. Yeah. Like they're still in it. Right. But uh, who do you think has the better chance to win the series? The Mavericks or the Heat?
5: I would say Dallas, because of what we talked about earlier in terms of their high variance play with their three point shooting, mm-hmm. they're at least a team that if they get hot, then, you know, they can go out there and, and do exactly what they did against the Suns, rattle off four of five. Now, of course, they have to be better defensively. That's That's, you know, one, two, and three for them in terms of their objectives. But because they play a higher variance style with three-point shooting, the Heat and the Celtics are just kind of, they are what they are. You yeah. know Dallas at least has some variance to their game, and and variance is what we kind of look to, to try and play on here in this business.
3: Yeah, variance is on the side of the Dallas Mavericks there, and also they have the best player in the series in Luka Doncic. Like as good as Steph Curry has been from an all time in his career standpoint, right now in 2022, I think it's safe to say that Luka Doncic is the better player. So Dallas is probably. I agree with you. I think if if either of these teams is to win the series, the Miami Heat or the Dallas Mavericks, I would go with the Mavericks. But the Celtics minus 300 to win the series here. Heat plus 240. On the other side, we go back to the MLB card. This is Betting Across America.
0: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah!
3: Back. This is Betting Across America presented by Bet MGM. Femi Abbefe alongside Adam Burke here at the VEASAN Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. A little in game baseball action going on oh, before I we thought, get to the rest I of the card. We going to the basketball <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought I thought you were going to do it. We are not going to the basketball game over on NBA TV, but check that out if you're interested in it. Uh, the Yankees and the White Sox in the Bronx. New York leads 5 3 in the third inning right now. The live total at Bet MGM 14 and a half with the Juice Tour the under minus 120 yankees minus 800 to win the game now minus 900 to win the game something must have happened but uh plus 525 if you want chicago there for a little live action any uh live interest for you here the total i mean 14 and a half it's who knows when you get a 5-3 game the get to the bullpens early and it can really run
5: yeah you know something i will be interested in following along with this game though is how close it actually gets because chicago and and manager tony la russa he is riding this bullpen remarkably hard. I don't know how some of these guys are going to make it through the season, specifically closer mm-hmm. Liam Hendricks, who's out there virtually every day, it feels like. If you're going to lose, you want to get blown out. Yeah, You do not want to lose a close game when you have to ride your bullpen the way that the White Sox have. So I'll be curious to see how long this one goes like this and, and also how long Dallas Keuchel stays out there as he appears to be completely ineffective yet again.
3: Yeah, that's a tough one out there for the Chicago White Sox and for the folks who – Took the under. The pregame total was nine. Now it's baseball. Anything could happen. Maybe nobody scores the rest of the way. But right now, you're looking at a live total of 14 and a half in the Bronx. Let's go to Boston, Fenway Park. Red Sox taking on the Seattle Mariners. First pitch 1:10 p.m. Pacific time, 4:10 East Coast. Red Sox minus 155, while the Mariners plus 125. A total here nine and a half with the juice on the under.
5: Yeah, this line's running out a little bit more here, too, before first pitch. you got Garrett Whitlock going for Boston. Garrett Whitlock's been really, really good. He's a converted reliever into a starter. So he's not working super deep into games, but a lot of strikeouts, a lot of really effective pitching from him. On the other side, you've got Chris Flexen for the Mariners, who's in seven starts, got a 435 ERA, 492 FIP, and he's a guy with big home road splits. He pitches much better at home in the pitcher-friendly conditions at T-Mobile Park than he does on the road. Now, as I mentioned, Boston's offense is picking up a little bit here. Fenway Park's starting to play a little bit better for them. I I think the minus 150 or so price was was probably a little bit cheap today. I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, because i'm a little bit concerned about the boston bullpen uh so maybe a first five play something you want to look at something like that but i do think that the red sox keep up their winning ways today
3: fun game out there in the city of brotherly love dodgers taking on the phillies philadelphia is minus 125 la plus 105 with a total of nine first pitch 305 so this was one
5: of the plays in my daily article here today the under nine in this one and this Maybe kind of a test case in terms of my thoughts on the humidor because it's going to be about ninety degrees in Philadelphia today. The whole East so Coast is gorgeous. The whole East Coast, yeah, it, it's very warm. It was very warm in Cleveland yesterday, and then today it's sixties and storming. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if they get their game in against the Tigers yeah. tonight. As an aside, but I like the under nine in this game. So one of the things I've been looking at here, and I talked about this with Derek Cardi earlier on in the show. Strikeouts and walks are both down across Major League Baseball. Now, the Dodgers are a team that has a lot of offensive success because they don't strike out much, but they also had the highest walk rate in Major League Baseball at 11.2%. So Aaron Nola is a guy that doesn't walk people and also the walk rate going down throughout the league. I think the Dodgers' offense could kind of level off a little bit here over the next couple of weeks. So you got Nola going for Philadelphia. He's very good. Mitch White will start for the Dodgers, throw around 45 pitches, Then it'll be a bullpen game after that, probably featuring David Price, some of the other rested relievers for the Dodgers. So I took under nine in this one where Phillies hitters are probably going to see a different pitcher every time they come up. But the thing I'm worried about here is the warmer weather. Because as I mentioned, a lot of cold weather cities have had significant offensive struggles with the humidor, the different baseball, all of that. The thought behind, you know, kind of getting into the summer is a lot of analysts were saying offense may pick up as the temperatures pick up. Mm -hmm. So we'll find out in this game, but uh, I think we get a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. I, I like the under nine in this one for the Phillies and Dodgers.
3: Let's go over to your old neck of the woods. Cleveland, the Guardians are hosting the Detroit Tigers. Guardians minus 190, Tigers plus 155 with a total of eight. But I know you'll have your eyes on Shane Bieber.
5: I will. I'll have my eyes on Shane Bieber. Massive velocity drop this year. Spin rates are down quite a bit as well. I'm concerned about an underlying injury. The Guardians have kind of said, look, you know, we're not worried about it, kind of easing into the season. Well, it's May 21st. You're no longer easing into the season. <laughs> it's been six weeks worth of baseball yeah. now. And Shane Bieber is living on his command, but without velocity, his fastball drops significantly in terms of how you would grade it. The Tigers are awful, though. We saw that yesterday. Aaron Stavali had not pitched well at all. He pitched very, very well yesterday against Detroit. Detroit was in the game until Tarek Skubel took a line drive off the shin. Bullpen came in, gave up a four spot right away. Guardians have been a very opportunistic offense so far this season. But Bieber tonight, this is a lineup he should dominate. Even without his velocity, he should be really, really good against this team. If he's not, it'll be a huge red flag for me. But going forward, I think he's a guy that we can – Probably comfortably fade against above-average offensive teams. And one other thing to mention real quick, aces get bet up 20 to 25 cents on the overnight line pretty much without fail. Didn't happen with Shane Bieber today against Mm. a very, very poor lineup. So that says a lot to me about market confidence and the lack thereof in Shane Bieber going forward. So just something for you to keep in mind.
3: I was going to say, do you maybe look at a strikeout prop with Shane Bieber? He's six and a half at bed. MGM minus 125 on the over, but the under minus minus one ten. The only worry I would
5: have with a strikeout prop today. And, and this is why weather is important to keep in mind. If there's a delay, then he may start the game and then come out of it. But this looks like a game where it's probably going to start late. Maybe start around eight o'clock, eight 30 Eastern time, something like that mm-hmm. based on the forecasts and, and what I've read. But yeah, that, that's something that, I think is a possibility here, you know, he he still has a certain measure of swing and miss. Just he's allowing a lot of hard contact. That's the big concern for me.
3: Let's go to South Beach. Atlanta Braves taking on the Miami Marlins right now. The Marlins plus 115 at home. The Braves are the favorite minus 140 with a total of 8.
5: So this was another interesting line move here this morning. And and for those that read the daily article, you've picked up on this. You, you've certainly read that from what I have to say about the MLB card, but the Marlins get bet on at home very very regularly there's a group out there with a significant amount of pull that will bet the marlins on the overnight lines at home because they don't have a very good offense but they've got a very good pitching staff at home they can play three to two four to three types Mm. of games on the road it's much more difficult for them to do that just because of the park factor this was a game today though where the braves took money overnight and into the morning So that said a lot to me about this game where Atlanta's taking the money, Miami's not. Kyle Wright has been a lot better than Eliezer Hernandez has. So that was a line move that I respected quite a bit. So for me, it would be Braves or nothing in this game.
3: Yeah, that's, that's the stuff that you have to be tracking out there. Because like, if you see a trend happening and then all of a sudden everybody's off of it, that's an indicator to where, hey, red flag situation, maybe Miami never in this spot here as they're hosting the Atlanta Braves. The Cardinals are in Pittsburgh taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates plus 115, Cards minus 140 with a total at nine. But you're looking at a prospect in this spot.
5: Yeah, Matthew Libertor gets the start here today. Actually, a really cool story. So Libertor and Nolan Gorman, who just got called up by the Cardinals a couple of days ago as well, those two guys were actually childhood best friends. They played together growing up, and then in the same week, they get their call up to the big leagues with the Cardinals. That's really cool. Now, Libertor was in the Rays organization, got traded to the Cardinals, so he got to reunite with Gorman. Uh, but a really, really cool story for sure. I mean, you know, it's always cool when someone makes a debut, but especially in that instance, I actually took the Cardinals for the first five today. It was minus 135 in the article. Uh, I'm surprised to see the full game price kind of coming down to the first five number. But as good as Jose Quintana has been so far this year for the Pirates, the Cardinals are the best offense in baseball against lefties by a large margin. They have been pretty average against righties for the most part. I've played against them when they faced above-average right-handed pitching, but they get a lefty here today in Quintana. So I think Libertor has success with a Pirates offense that's just not particularly good. They've scored 18 runs in the last 10 games. And I think the Cardinals can get to Quintana here because they've gotten to just about every other lefty mm-hmm. they've faced, including Carlos Rodon last weekend, who's far better than Quintana. So I took the first five here for this one. The reason I didn't take the full game Two of the Cardinals' primary relievers, Giovanni Gallegos and Genesis Cabrera, had both pitched three of the last four days, so they're probably unavailable today. So that's why I took the first five as opposed to the full game.
3: Tampa Bay is taking on Baltimore. The Orioles, plus 110 at home, Rays 135, total 8.5.
5: Yeah, so Baltimore called up top prospect, number one overall prospect in Major League Baseball, Adley Rutschman, their catcher. So there should be a buzz in the ballpark here at Oriole Park and Camden Yards for tonight's game. Uh, Kyle Bradish has been... Pretty up and down. He's had some really good starts. He's had some starts that weren't so good. Tough handicap in this one, I think, but there will be a lot of buzz in the ballpark Mm -hmm. for Rutschman's debut, and hopefully he winds up having a a big day because I always enjoy seeing the prospects have success.
3: Shout out to Oregon State there. Texas Rangers taking on the Houston Astros. The Astros minus 250, Rangers plus 200, total seven and a half.
5: So this is about the perfect environment for Justin Verlander. First of all, Minute Maid Park has been a very low-scoring environment, but fly balls are not carrying. He's an extreme fly ball guy. Still has the strikeouts when he needs to, but – there's a reason why he's the Cy Young favorite and the current run environment in Major League Baseball, unless the ball starts carrying more, will continue to allow Justin Verlander to be dominant and I would expect him to be again today.
3: Yeah, it's like turning back the clock. Justin Verlander, the favorite to win the Cy Young. Like, what? Are we, what is this, 2007? Let's go. Verlander's about 5-1 to one over at MGM to win the AL Cy Young. On the other side, NFL, we know it's first to worst, worst to first. That's the kind of league it is. We'll discuss who can go worst to first and right their wrongs from a year ago in 2022. Next, this is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM.
1: This is Betting Across America on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vison.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. And now it is updated every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vison.com. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Bebefe rolling alongside Adam Burke here at the Vston Studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And we teased it on the other end last segment here, but the NFL is the biggest worst-to-first league. Every year it feels like there's a team that goes from last place in their division to winning the division. And I want to start in the AFC where it it appears that this is the superior conference. Every expert, the betting market will agree anybody who just follows what the offseason moves have been will probably tell you the AFC is the best conference. And here are the teams who finished in last place in their divisions. In the east, it was the New York Jets. In the north, the Baltimore Ravens. In the south, the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the west, it was the Denver Broncos. Now, it looks like Baltimore, Denver, seem like pretty decent candidates to go worst to first. But is there a chance maybe Jacksonville or New York could potentially pull it off?
5: this gonna make for great radio. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely I, not. I will say this: I, I do think, I think the Jets will be demonstrably better this season.
3: Though. Mm-hmm.
5: I think they will be a team that covers some numbers. I do kind of like their season win total over. I like a lot of the things that they're doing. I like you know their offensive line. I like their their composition in the trenches, which I think is really important. You know, a lot of bad teams are bad. Because they're bad in the trenches, and I don't think the I don't think the that the Jets are that bad of a team in the trenches. So, I mean, no, they'll probably still lose ten games or so. But I mean, I think you know six and eleven, seven and ten is not that outlandish of a projection for them.
3: Here's the case that I'll make for Jacksonville, who last year was three and fourteen under Urban Meyer and whatever the hell shenanigans were going on in Duval County, but. They play in the weakest division, at least from my vantage point here in the AFC South. Tennessee, I think, is going to take a little bit of a step back here after trading away A.J. Brown. Uh, Maybe they played a little bit above their head last season there, being the number one seed in the AFC. And also Indianapolis, while I do love the Colts, uh, I bet on the Colts to win the Super Bowl, actually, at 60-1, to um... Good what, what if things don't work out with Matt Ryan? What if he shows his age? Like there is a an outcome, a possibility to where Matt Ryan is just flat out bad. Now I don't think that's going to happen, but it's something that we also have to keep in mind when discussing the Indianapolis Colts and Houston. I think is still in year two of a four year rebuild. Jacksonville to me now that they have an adult at head coach in Doug Peterson. Like I spoke about this on the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi and. As bad as things have been reported about what was going on during Urban Meyer's tenure, I think they probably were actually worse, and not everything is out there. The fact that they've gone from him to Doug Peterson, and say what you will about Doug Peterson, he's still a Super Bowl winning coach, that could be a massive upgrade that the market, although it's accounting for it a little bit, might not be accounting for it enough and you have year two with Trevor Lawrence. They've also made some improvements to the offensive line. They had the draft class where they were picking high every round. So maybe they can get some of those guys to stand out early. There could be a path to where Jacksonville might win this division at nine and eight, 10 and seven. Like that's a possibility that could happen here in 2022 to where at the price of seven to one, if you want to get frisky, maybe it's the Jacksonville Jaguars.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I think everything that you said is is pretty accurate. And I also think too that, you know, w- when you look at this team, they at least have something to be hopeful for about yes. the future now. You know, obviously not only was Urban Meyer probably not a very good NFL X's and O's coach, you know, we all heard about what happened during his tenure and all mm-hmm. that. You know, it's it's hard enough to play this league and put your body on the line and then and then deal with that in practice and in <laughs> meeting rooms and, and yeah. all that kind of thing. And and look, the reason why I wouldn't take a look here at the seven to one is because they play four of their first six games on the road. They play both of their games against the Colts very early on in the year, mm-hmm. and to me, it feels like the Colts are just kind of looking to channel the Philip Rivers thing with Matt Ryan, and yeah. I think that that's very, very realistic for them. Yeah, if they have an injury situation, that will be a problem. But at the same time, I mean, they—they—I don't—they could get a Baker Mayfield for nothing. You know, the Browns mm-hmm. have to pay somebody to give Baker Mayfield away at this point. You know, Deshaun Watson comes back. Maybe a Jacoby Brissett comes in play, something like that, if Ryan gets hurt or it doesn't really work out for him. But I do think that you're on the right track with Jacksonville in terms of maybe from a straight-up wins and losses standpoint, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. But from an against-the-spread standpoint, we absolutely could. This could be a team that pulls the Detroit Lions. I think they win yeah. more than three games, but I think that, you know that's a team that could go – 11-6, you 11-5-1 know, against the number something
3: like that. I just always like to factor in the, the human side of they might have hated Urban Meyer that much and the culture might have been that toxic to where maybe this is an okay team that was just brought down by a just absolutely just insanely bad situation with a head coach who was not fit to be a head coach in the NFL. There is that possibility with the Jacksonville Jaguars there. So, But the start of the schedule though is something that I think is really important that you pointed out there. Maybe there's a better chance to pick the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this division and bet on that as they get a better price maybe in September or October. Uh the NFC well, Let me ask you real quick oh, about okay.
5: the AFC. So worst of first. Would you rather have a bet on Denver or on Baltimore?
3: Baltimore. 100%. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Baltimore. I, I, I close. I realistically <laughs> think
5: I, I Probably would take Baltimore to win that division, to be completely yeah. honest with you. And this was something that, you know, I, I thought about this as a Browns fan. I've seen enough losing that, you know, it's, it's awful, but I was rooting for a loss in week 18 against Cincinnati mm-hmm. because of what it did to the strength of schedule. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Baltimore winds up with that last place schedule, which I think is a really important thing to, you know, to talk about as we go into the lead up to the season, where where you finish in the division dictates a couple of the games on your schedule. And yeah. Cleveland. You know, instead of getting some of the lesser teams, winds up getting some of the better teams, and Baltimore winds up a little bit weaker of a schedule. With that being said, one of the teams that they did draw was Denver as a result, who's not (laughs) as weak now with Russell Wilson. But still, you know, that's a team that that winds up playing an easier schedule. Mm -hmm. As long as Lamar Jackson's healthy – I, I think Baltimore's got a really good shot to win the division.
3: Yeah, it was six straight losses for the Ravens once Lamar Jackson got hurt there, but they were eight and three. They were in the thick of it for the number one seed in the AFC. And a lot of time has passed since they started eight and three, so sometimes people forget. But this was a really good team last year and Lamar Jackson was playing decent football to where that they were. Among the contenders, it's a good chance Cincinnati doesn't win the division if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt. That gets forgotten. In the NFC, it might be a little bit tricky to pick these ones here because the worst-to-first candidates, not ideal. No. The NFC East, it was the New York Giants last place. The North was the Detroit Lions, South Carolina Panthers. The West, the Seattle Seahawks. All of them at pretty big, juicy prices here in 2022 to win their respective divisions. Which one would you take a flyer on? Can I say none of them?
5: I mean, look, okay. So, so for, I would rather the, make
3: a donation somewhere else. Right. For the, for
5: the purposes of, of this exercise and this argument, I would say Detroit. Okay. Uh, look, I mean, it would take Aaron Rodgers getting hurt for yeah. the season.
3: I was going to say, I was like, can you just bet that? It would, it would take <laughs> probably Kirk
5: Cousins getting hurt for the season. But the the Giants are, I mean, what, what are the Giants going to do? Right, I mean, they've already said, "Well, we're not, we're not exercising the fifth year option on Daniel Jones." Mm-hmm. This is a complete throwaway year now. Obviously, Carolina—they don't even have a quarterback. If Tom Brady hadn't come back, then I would, have, of course, said Carolina, but they wouldn't be twelve to one. Yeah, they'd be probably <laughs> six fifty or something like that. And Seattle, there's just no chance. I mean, the, the other three teams are too yeah. good in that division, and they don't have Russell Wilson anymore. So, I—we <laughs> actually have to default to Detroit here. I
3: think. I'm going to make a case for the New York Giants. Okay. We're going big blue here. All right. And the reason why is because I think the NFC East probably has the softest favorite in Dallas. Right now Dallas I think is down to even plus money now at like plus 110 or so. I never understood the minus 125s or minus 150s that were out there to start the offseason. But this is the division. No team has repeated to as a champion to win this division since 2004 when the Eagles did it. And I also like that New York changed the head coach. When Uh you bring in a new head coach, there's the possibility that things might be different and, and more different than the market anticipates here. Joe judge, was a bad head coach and it didn't relate to the players. I think they were sick of him by the end of his tenure out there. If Brian Dayball is as good as he was as an offensive coordinator out there in Buffalo, maybe he can get Daniel Jones to stop turning the football over. And if that happens, this Giants team has some decent weapons on the roster. I mean, Galladay, Tony Shepard, like they still have some guys that are pretty decent players. The offensive line should be better after drafting Evan Nil. The defensive line should be better after drafting cave Thibodeau. In a division to where it's still up for grabs, and we're all talking about Dallas-Philly as a two-horse race here, maybe the Giants could be that third horse.
5: This feels like the Jacksonville situation to me where it's just
3: a complete culture
5: change, where maybe it doesn't show up straight up in wins and losses, Mm -hmm. but they'll cover a lot of games and show signs of improvement for the future.
3: Yeah, and that could be the situation there, and it could be a team to bet on in 2022. On the other side, we're saving the best for last, baby. We're going to the NHL. we got some playoff games tonight. We'll discuss them next here. It's Betting Across America presented by BetMGM.
2: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think it? Ain't
6: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's LEESA.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
2: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.
3: Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code vc 200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wage your new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Final segment here. Femia Bebafet, rolling alongside Adam Burke here. We've been hanging out for about three hours at the VEASAN studio at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And now's about a good time to start talking a little hockey, huh? shall we? Let's l- do that hockey. L- let's do that hockey. A little NHL action. Game three tonight in the Gateway of the West. St. Louis Blues hosting the Colorado Avalanche right now. The Avalanche minus 165. On the money line, the Blues plus 140, the total sitting at six and a half here. Does Colorado bounce back after getting blitzed in game two?
5: Well, you would certainly have to think so. I mean, you know, this is a team that looked pretty unbeatable for the most part. You know, yeah. they, they get that sweep of the Predators. They did have that one game that went to overtime. And of course, the game against St. Louis in game one went to overtime. That's just because Jordan Bennington played out of his mind. And you look at this game two here, and you know, Look, the blues started out really well. You know, they outshot Colorado 14 to 8 at five on five in the first period. They just had a really big push. They had six high danger chances. They made adjustments. They figured something out. And I think sometimes when you get in these playoff series and you're such a big favorite, you just kind of go, Well, we just do what we do, and that's all we have to do. And Mm -hmm. you know, we'll take care of business. But St. Louis pivoted. St. Louis adjusted at least for the first period of game one or game two, excuse me, and wind up getting that four two win. Now it forces Colorado to refocus. It's almost one of those things, maybe it's kind of strange to say, but sometimes it's good to lose a game. You know, now they just kind of got humbled a little yeah. bit. I, I think they bounced back tonight. I think they definitely win the game.
3: It's almost like that smelling salt that they, those football players do on the sidelines just to wake them up a little bit. Maybe that's what game two was to wake Colorado up because there was everything was all rainbows and flowers and sunshine. It was like, hey, what, here what, whatever Tony Finau was wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever Finau was wearing is what it was in Colorado because they're thought of as the favorite. They are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, and they play a brand of hockey that's exciting that people want to watch. And then they got punched in the mouth a little bit at home by the Blues. On the series price, though, it's still Colorado minus 300 Despite no longer having home, ice St. Louis plus 250. Anything for you there with the series price?
5: Minus 300 is probably not big enough, to be totally honest with you. I, I would be shocked if if St. Louis is able to actually win this series. I mean, Colorado is just too good. They just come in waves. And, you know, also, too, I mean, they had a little bit of a goaltending question in the first round. They had, a, you know, the goaltender was nicked up who started games one and two, and then they had to pivot for games three and four. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's hurt at this time of the year. But the, the reality of it is for St. Louis is. Jordan Bennington didn't play that well during the regular season. Hasn't played that well since he won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Played really well in game one. Didn't have to do a whole lot in game two. What happens now with a Colorado team that, as you said, got punched in the mouth and now has to react and probably be a little bit more proactive here for game three?
3: Uh, one final update from Southern Hills at the PGA Championship as we are about to have our leaders tee off in about a couple minutes. Will Zalatoris, Mito Pereira, they'll be the last group on the course here. Uh, both Rory McElroy and Abe Anser parred the first hole, so we'll see how that unfolds. Um, Justin Thomas and Bubba Watson are about to tee off. I believe they've already teed off. They think they're on uh, the first hole. They might be in the fairway right now or the uh, approaching towards the green, but. Mito Pereira and Will Zalatouris, 11.50 a.m. was their tee time. So we'll have all the all the pairings on the course, and we'll see how this thing unfolds here on moving day. But your final takeaway from the PGA Championship was that you were kind of looking at Abe Anser as a potential long shot to possibly get back into this thing and make Sunday interesting.
5: Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if he would have made that birdie putt. That would have been a nice little uh, helpful thing there on the first hole because there are a lot of these holes that just aren't super gettable. So, you know, you can't really squander birdie opportunities, and that's kind of what we talked about. You know, he's a guy with the putter that maybe can make some of those putts, get some birdies out of pars, get some pars out of bogeys, stuff like that, where maybe other guys uh, aren't going to have as much success scrambling. So, you know, we'll see. it, It does seem like, I will say this, the guys that have teed off recently They're not really just falling apart immediately like some of the guys earlier this morning. So maybe the wind Mm. died down a little bit. Maybe the conditions have gotten a little bit better. Uh, or maybe the guys that are just kind of playing better or you know, kind of playing better today.
3: Yeah, that might just be what it is. Webb Simpson, we saw he already went five under on the course to get into that top 20. So we'll see if anybody else can go low here on Saturday. We joked that moving day might be everybody moving down <laughs> a peg or so because the condition's not easy out there at Southern Hills. Let's get back to the MLB card. Still have some games to get through. We've got five minutes left, so we'll go rapid fire here with the remaining card Twins taking on the Royals in Kansas City. Right now, the Twins on the road minus 140, Royals plus 115 at home with a total of seven and a half.
5: Yeah, a couple of pitchers that have been much better than their expectations here so far this year. Joe Ryan is a guy that had a pretty good minor league pedigree. It seemed like robbery that the twins got him from the Rays for Nelson Cruz last year, but he's pitched really, really well in his seven starts. Had a little bit of a minor blow up against the Astros. That'll happen, but he's pitched really well against bad offensive teams, and the Royals are a bad offensive team. Brad Keller has been much better than I expected this season, but there are some negative regression indicators in there. 289 ERA, 405 FIP, 227 batting average against on balls in play. Probably going to run into a little bit of a tough time here as we go forward. The problem with today's game is it's very chilly in Kansas City. It's been warm the last couple days. That's not the case today. That's why you see this total of seven and a half. Yeah, the two pitchers are pitching well, but a lot of this has to do with the weather. So lean to the twins here in this one, but I am looking at some regression signs for their bullpen. So I'm not really too excited about betting full games with Minnesota right now.
3: The Nats are taking on the Brew Crew in Milwaukee today, and the Brewers minus 225. They are the favorites. Nationals plus 180 with a total of 7.5.
5: So Brandon Woodruff hasn't had a whole lot of command for the Brewers this season yet, but we got the 20-cent bump on him because he is an ace, and also, too, for Brandon Woodruff, 535 ERA, but a 352 expected ERA and a 371 FIP. So that's a guy that the market will expect positive regression from, For as long as his ERA is that much higher than his expected ERA and his FIP, we'll see a lot of line moves on Brandon Woodruff in his starts for the Brewers. So the biggest takeaway I have from this game to share with everybody, if you want to back the Brewers with Brandon Woodruff, do it early, do it on the overnight, try to get the best of the line because that line is going to go up.
3: Game two between the Mets and the Rockies here, a little doubleheader out there in Denver. The Rockies plus 105 and the Mets minus 125 with a total of 10.
5: Yeah, so it looks like the Rockies still haven't named a starter here yet, or at least ESPN doesn't have one listed. Doubleheaders are always weird to me. I I typically don't like to bet game two early in the day because Mm -hmm. I want to see, first of all, if there are any injuries with position players, but also which relievers were called into action because generally speaking, a manager won't use a reliever twice in the same day. So if the Mets win game one, three to two, four to three, something like that, and they have to use their best relievers in that game, Probably not going to play them, at least from a full-game standpoint, in Game 2. So try to read and react to what happens in Game 1 and see if there's anything actionable for Game 2.
3: Last game on the card. First pitch, 6.07 Pacific Time, 9.07 for our East Coast viewers and listeners. Angels taking on the Oakland A's. L.A., minus 140. Oakland, plus 115. A total of 7.5.
5: So there's a pretty strong market sentiment against Michael Lorenzen, who's the starting pitcher today for the Angels. This line has gone down, and a few of his recent starts have been bet down as well. Now, Frankie Montas is pitching extremely well for Oakland, but Oakland's bullpen is a little bit iffy to me, although they've performed pretty well here recently. Their lineup is not good at all whatsoever So this is one where I think it's a really tough handicap because you have a starting pitcher that the market doesn't necessarily love for the Angels, but they have clearly the better offense. Their bullpen's been a little bit suspect of late here too. Maybe a slight lean towards the over 7.5 for this one because Angels Stadium out there is one of the few ballparks that's played pretty true to this point, even with the humidor. So the Angels' offense has been really, really good for the most part. Slight lean on the over, but Frankie Montas has been really, really good for Oakland. We just blazed through about
3: 16 MLB games here on the show. That's a round of applause for us here. And if you want more baseball analysis, make sure you check out the run line tomorrow. You and Ben Wilson at it again tomorrow evening, 8 Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific time here over at Circa. Really, if, if you're into the hardcore baseball stuff, like this is the show for you. So make sure you watch that out there. Run line, what do you got coming up tomorrow evening?
5: Yeah, tomorrow night, actually, Ben Wilson out of town. It'll be oh, Josh Towers and there I, you go. which is – Going to be extremely interesting for both of us. I'm a huge analytics guy. Josh Towers is not. But he also played, played the game. I was going to say, I was so, like, you played, yeah. You know, he has a perspective that I clearly don't have, mm-hmm. will never have. So I think it'd be really interesting to kind of see how we banter and bounce things back and forth off of each other, where I'm very much data driven and he's a lot more on the eye test and his experiences. Should be a lot of fun on tomorrow night's show. I'm looking forward to a it. A
3: little yin and yang going on here on the run line tomorrow evening. That'll be fun. Make sure to tune into that here on vs and b Sports Betting Network. That does it for our show this morning and afternoon. Thanks to our guest, Derek Carty. MLB betting and fantasy analyst over at Roto Grinders. And thank you to Howard Bender of Sirius XM Fantasy. Coming up next, betting across America for three more hours, Dave Ross, Wes Reynolds over at Circle. What do you think they're going to talk about? Huh? A little PGA maybe? Probably. A little <laughs> UFC. Yeah, a little PGA, a little UFC. It's going to be a fun one. Three more hours. Make sure to tune into that for Adam Burke and our entire crew here at the South Point. I'm Femi and saying good luck with all the bets. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code V, simply use bonus code V, simply use bonus code V, simply use bonus code V.